Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We know that running a small firm is tough and ending the year with a profit may be even tougher. That's why we created Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's a three-module digital course and it's available to you for free right now by visiting entrearchitect.com slash free course. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 165. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This week, my friend Emily Grandstaff Rice is back here with us at the podcast the chair of the AIA National Equity and Architecture Commission. Emily shares an update on the work that the commission has done and the 11 recommendations made to AIA National to promote equity and diversity in the profession. We talk about how AIA has responded, how they're working to make the changes needed to have the profession of architecture better reflect the society in which we all work and live and what's planned for the future, how we can each work toward a more equitable future for architecture. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, working toward an equitable future in architecture with Emily Grandstaff Rice. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. FreshBooks, get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. And BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice, office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. And RCAT, the leading online resource for free building product information. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Emily Grandstaff Rice, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be back. Uh, it's good to have you here. It's been a very long time since you've been here. A long time, but not so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Emily's an architect based in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, and she was my guest here at Entree Architect Podcast at episode 14. So a while ago, it was that was January of 2014. Uh, we're at episode, this is episode 165. Uh, so it's been a while. It's been a yeah. while. And that, that episode was our first connection. You and I you know, were communicating back and forth on Twitter with the rest of the architects over there. Uh, and I invited you on. You were the current president of the BSA, the Boston Society of Architects. Uh, and you were on your uh, campaign for Architecture Does Matter. And yeah. that's, that's sort of where we focused. Uh, and you did give your origin story in that episode. So anybody who wants to go back to entrearchitect.com slash episode 14. That'll send you right to that episode. You could hear uh, all about Emily's journey. Um, but I want to sort of get an update on the rest of the journey, the rest of the story. So here you go. I'm going to I'm gonna hand it off to you, and I'd love to know what you've been doing because I know you've been doing a lot since January 14. Yeah, you're too much. Um, it, it's interesting the connections that you make in your professional career, and I think – um, I, I read an article today about how everyone should have their their own team, um, and you know, Mark, I consider you part of my team. You know, in in the fact that um, you know we we basically connected three years ago, and um, when you meet really smart professional people who are talking about relevant things, advancing the the profession, but also you have the ability to ask questions too. Um, that's that's an amazing peer resource, yeah. uh, and and the community just grows. So uh, I want to commend you on, like, holy cow! You know, here we are over a hundred episodes later. Um, you're doing great work, and it's great to be part of it. Thank you, Emily. Oh, my pleasure. So um, three years. I was starting my year as BSA president right. in 2014, and honestly, I think back then I had no idea um, what was in store for me. <laughs> If you only knew. <laughs> I only knew. And and that's not to say that it was difficult, but it was a blast. It was um, sort of, you know, feet to the fire type of experience about community advocacy, leading um, an organization. And, and, you know, I had never been, frankly, chairman of the board of a you know, more more than a million dollar organization before, and it was um, budget wise, um, and it was wild. Um, I got to meet, uh, of course, the mayor of Boston, um, because at that time they were doing a transition. The longtime mayor of Boston, uh, Thomas Menino, 
um, had was not running for re-election and ended up passing away shortly after um, the year change in 2014. And then, uh, so we had a new mayor, which was was wild. And um, there were a lot of things going on. I also got to meet the mayor of Rome. Uh, the BSA was doing a transportation. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it, it was it was extraordinary, and it was a lot of fun. It was also a lot of work and a lot of meetings and a lot of discussion. Um, and I think that's where I grew as a person, um, learning how to talk to others about relevant issues, um, beca- becoming more comfortable in the public eye, and um, developing leadership skills that I didn't in my day-to-day work as an architect. Uh, but there's definitely a translation between the two. So, so that was sort of the, the BSA world. Um, and as a result, that's translated into um, some interesting connections. Yeah, it sort of prepared you for what's what's happened since then. So um, two major things I will note. Um, I switched jobs. Yeah. And that was a big, big heavy decision for me at the time. Um, I didn't take that lightly because I loved my previous job. But it was uh, a realization that uh, I needed to grow in different ways. And... Um, and, and you know, I can talk a little bit further about that, but it was um, something that I took very seriously and um, did with, with great heaviness of thought. Um, it's kind of ironic that my husband ended up switching jobs at exactly the same time. And he treated it totally differently. So um, it, so my sound bite is, is probably that everybody is unique, um, but it's, it's a transition no matter what it is. Uh, and I was asked, um, at the end of 2015 to chair the Equity and Architecture Commission. So this was the AIA commission that was formed after um, my good friend Rosa Shang. Yeah. And, um, Shout out to Rosa. <laughs> and, um, and Julia Donahoe, the three of them uh, authored a resolution, 15-1, at the Atlanta AIA convention, really to um, hold the AIA accountable about what they were doing in terms of equity, diversity, and inclusion. And as a result, a 20-person uh, commission, sort of a, a blue ribbon panel, was formed by Elizabeth Chu Richter, uh, the 2015 AIA president at the time, and she asked me to chair it. And um, again, one of those situations where uh, I could not say no, and yet I had no idea what was in store for me. Right. <laughs> and that was just a blast. A, it was. Um, it was very thoughtful, sensitive, heavy, relevant. Um, important work that I think is probably the most important thing, volunteer work that I've done with the AIA to date, because um, that work will change people's lives in a very profound way. And the result were 11 recommendations um, that that were directly for the AIA board that touched on different aspects of the profession. Uh, and and uh, I you know I can I can talk about that in in much greater detail. But um, the goal is to have the profession of architecture reflect the society we serve. Um, and it's no secret that um, there are uh, numbers of underrepresented people and women that just don't reflect our society at large with the U.S. Census, right? And so the question is why? Why not? Um, is it something within architecture? Is it something fundamentally with the frameworks? So that's what those address. So um, yeah, I've been busy and um, I'm doing fun work. Uh, I'm working on some K through 12 schools right now, which is uh, 
a wonderful blend of sort of my education background and my architecture background. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm causing trouble in all the right ways. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we're definitely seeing the fruits of your labor um, throughout the profession. You know, it, it uh, sort of uh, with with uh, Rosa's um, and her crew over there in San Francisco, starting the equity by design movement, uh, having conferences, having that discussion, getting the word out. You were very involved in that as well. I was involved in, the, in that first conference. Um, that has snowballed. That is really t has some major momentum, leading right into that resolution uh, and the and the committee. Uh, and now, you, you know, when you're on Twitter and you're on social media, you see it in, in coming from the AIA. People people are recognizing that there are issues that we need to deal with. People are dealing with those issues. Um, you're seeing change. You're see, you know we are witnessing the change that was the result from all of that hard work over the last few years. Yeah, thank you for that. It's, it's um, we have a long way to go. No doubt. Okay. <laughs> right, but um, this is this is a big deal. And, um, I, you know, one of the things that uh, I have, well, how do I say this? I, um, I take great pleasure in, um, and this is not that that's something that I specifically asked for, uh, in the recommendations um, that the committee, the commission developed, but at the end of the presentation um, that I did in December, for the recommendations, and this was to the AIA board and strategic council. So this represents those elected to the board and sort of the 60 members that are represented geographically across the AIA. Um, the AIA, one of one of the stipulations was to create a stronger pathway um, for students to go from um, community colleges to NAB accredited degrees and also to increase the number of uh, scholarships aimed at diversity. Uh, and the AI board uh, made a donation of a million dollars towards the diversity wow. advancement scholarship. And this was um, something that uh, they, they didn't take lightly, this was quite serious, but that translates, so you know, a million dollars is a lot of money, but just to put that in terms of numbers, that translates to 20 new scholarships for people who can study in a five-year or, you know, or four-year program, whatever, but it's not just a one-shot thing. Right. It's continuing them throughout their studies. That's basically funding as an endowment 20 new scholarships. That's amazing. Right? That's that's great. I mean, and that's that's the AIA stepping up. You know, when people say, "What is the AI doing for me?" You know, it and that's one thing that the AIA is. That's only one thing that the AIA National is is doing. Um, and you know, they're they're putting their money where their mouth is. Right, and I I benefited from scholarships, and I, I make no secret of this from the St. Louis AIA St. Louis when I was a college student. Um, so. Their invest, they made an investment in me before I recognized it in myself. Um, so some of the work that I do today is is a di dividend of of the money that my local chapter invested in me. Similarly, it's it's about paying it forward, yeah. about creating the future that you want to see. And not everyone has the same shot. Um, so how can we make architecture a profession that everyone? can have access to not everyone has to choose it yeah. but the ability is there um, that we're not excluding people even before they get to school 
so it, it's a it it it's very important to me yeah so I just had uh, a, an episode I think it was two episodes ago with Michelle Grace Hoddle and we were she was sort of telling her story uh, and she was talking about how uh, her journey to becoming an architect started really 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 early like kindergarten somebody just you know sort of uh, suggested that you know not even an architect but sort of focused her on art and allowed her to do the things that that pursued architecture uh, that led to, to becoming an architect but but what I wanted to bring up is that that decision sometimes or that or that that path happens that early that it happens you know where somebody either encourages and cultivates uh, the the strength that somebody has that may lead to architecture um, or like with Michelle, what she has said that somebody didn't get in her way, that mm-hmm. that that could blossom, that the, that somebody allowed her to blossom uh, and not discourage her from being an architect uh, or an engineer or whatever you know you know a woman wants to be. There was a time where women just you know you want to be an architect, that's a man's job, you know, and and that it, no, that's not that long ago. <laughs> I know, I know, and that's what I'm saying is that yeah. is that and there are still people today that that when their child says that well you don't want to do that that's not really what women do um and you know obviously society is changing it's changing not just in architecture but everywhere um and it's absolutely changing changing in architecture but like you said we have a long way to go but it's interesting that it's not just just before college you know it's not just high school is really a really critical point because that's really when most people make that decision um but even way back Beyond that, you know, high school counselors and teachers, they also need to be educated on what architects do uh, and how to encourage people to become architects. Absolutely. That, that's actually one of the recommendations out of the Equity and Architecture Commission, Commission which was to engage children in K-12 pro- architecture programs. So um, the AIA did uh, a demographic uh, scan uh, at the end of 2015 um, to prep this uh, commission so that we would have data at hand. And what's interesting is that they looked at it in terms of um, various demographic groups, and and you can go into greater detail in the diversity and the architecture profession um, survey that they put out. But if you look at um, women, uh, particularly, and you map them along sort of um, their their rate of of um, instance in the population, right? Uh, women enter uh, at the same rate as the population, enter architecture school at the same rate in which they are at the population. Um, So there isn't necessarily an issue of getting women into architecture school, but um, they tend to leave the profession after they graduate, right? So that points to an issue in terms of the practice of architecture, that it tracks that way, and then the big drop-off is off the tra- uh, in practice. And this is supported by uh, the Equity by Design survey um, and research that Rosa heads up um, and, and other surveys at hand. If you look specifically at the African-American population, what's interesting is that they're not entering architecture school, so college per se, at the same rate as the population. So that speaks directly yeah. to your point that um, that is some they, that's a population that could help um, or, or get the best um, surge per se out of K through 12 groups. And that's not to say that others wouldn't, yeah. but, but 
it stresses the point that by saying where are they at the college level, you've completely missed the boat because it, it has to start young and, and socialize that, that issue. And um, for Latinos, it's, it's different. And for Native Americans and, and Asians, and what we've recognized in researching this is that making the profession of architecture more diverse is not a one size fits all solution. We can't say the only way to do it is through K through 12 programs, or the only way to do it is to um, give better HR practices to firms. It's more nuanced, yeah. and and it has to be something that is not customizable, but reaches different levels because not all of us are the same. I mean, that's the fundamental point, right? right. We're not the same and we yeah. don't approach this profession the same and therefore the fix is not the same. So it's more nuanced, but um, to speak specifically about K through 12 programs, um, yeah, exposure is huge and it's exposure um, to kids, but to families, to teachers, to counselors, to community members. And one of the ways that, that we as individual architects you know, if there's nothing else you take out of this podcast, I would say, like, I challenge all the architects who are listening to this to say, how can you be a role model in your community? And and whether it's going to the local career day in third grade or it's um, standing up for something um, that's happening in the in the public realm, or it could be as simple as just putting a, a sign on your your residential project, you know, designed by Mark LePage, architect, yeah. right? That's awareness. And it seems simple to us, but if it's in the public realm and it, it brings awareness to what we do and how we change the environment, then then we are making a difference in, in talking about the value of our work um, and the relevancy of our work. and. Um, one last quick story. So yesterday I was doing student interviews at the elementary school that um, that I'm working with for a feasibility study. And I interviewed uh, third graders, fourth graders, uh, graders. <laughs> and my first question to them was, um, do you know why we're here? And, and they say, oh yeah, you're the architect. Okay, fine. So what do architects do? And um, one, one child had a great answer and says, architects come up with ideas. And yep. I was like, that's it, right? And, and other, other things were like build things, design things, but architects come with ideas. And I think that speaks to a larger view of architecture that I have, that we're not always designing details yeah. and we're not always space planning. We're thinking about things in a different way. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean a space. Right. We're thinking about interaction. We're thinking about ways of communicating like you, we're thinking about ways that we can create a professional community that raises all of our prosperity. Yeah. Um, we think about things in a unique way and um, th that's, you know. And how residential architects, you know, we literally change the lives of families by the work we do. Yeah. I mean, we, I, the way that a mother and a father interacts with their children because of the way we've designed their house mm -hmm. affects how those children grow. You know, it's 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 such an amazing profession. I love being an architect. <laughs> it and there's so many ways to do it yeah. too. That's, yeah, that's the joy and excitement that I have. And so, um, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to proselytize it as the only profession out there, but 
um, it is a profession that frankly needs all voices. Yeah. Uh, and and um, it's a little heartbreaking that you know we're not we're not to that point yet. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entree Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com BQE. Many of you have probably already heard of RCAT and use their resources on a regular basis. But for those of you who have not yet checked them out, RCAT's a great tool for small firm architects. From small firms to government agencies, everyone can benefit from what they've created. RCAT has huge libraries of free content, CAD, BIM, specifications, and tons more. RCAT has done all the work for you. You need a spec, click on over and download the CSI three-part specification in multiple file formats. How about a CAD detail or BIM objects? All free at the click of a mouse. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use. It's all completely free and you don't have to register to download the content. Visit them at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Hey, one last thing. The AIA Conference on Architecture is just around the corner. While you're there, go say hi and let them know that Entree Architect sent you. 
Just look for the big, giant, glowing red A, and you'll find our cat. So, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So what happens after this commission? So the commission has been done. They've given the recommendations. AIA has acknowledged those recommendations, have acted on some of those recommendations. What happens from this point forward? That's the hard work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the board accepted the recommendations and let me run through them very quickly yeah, um, so you can sort of get them. Um, number one was to make equity, diversity and inclusion as a core value for the AI board of directors. That was pretty big um, for, for them to recognize that this is like this is relevant and essential to talent retention in our profession. Uh, measure how equity, diversity, inclusion permeates in the AIA. So start collecting data. Let's figure out. Um, what the situation is as a metric so we can um, track it for the future. Um, launch training for AI volunteers and components. So it, it's the concept of um, it's hard for us to walk the walk unless we know what we're talking about. So um, training uh, and, and that would be training that could be accessible to all, right? It's not proprietary, um, but leading the discussion about that. Um, along with that, creating guides for equitable, diverse, and inclusive practice. Um, so these are best practices, highlighting those. Um, the one that uh, I'm very proud about and that I think that could have a huge impact is to create a position paper on equity, diversity, inclusion um, that really looks at the data and the assumptions. So we weren't researchers. We are architects and concerned people and um, and, and we had non-architects on this commission as well, but to, to have the AI commission a serious paper about this. And I think about it similar to the Boyer Report, which was a report that came out about architecture education in 1993. Um, something that looks at seriously what the issues are um, so that um, there's some credibility and some very specific data about the trends that we see. Sort of taking the equity by design work and taking it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, and, and equity design will inform that. Yeah. Uh, and, but this would be something that um, would look at look at things and, and would be an academic paper. So yeah. something, and, and equity by design is academic as well, but you, you know what I mean. Um, so uh, also develop a firm assessment tool, self-assessment, right? So a firm could take this test mm. tool and sort of say, yeah. oh, shoot, I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Even like what are equal opportunity <laughs> policies? Um, so, so develop a tool so that people can become more aware, especially from leaders, right? Yeah. Um, and then that includes small firms. Instead of how do you know what you don't know? Also, um, require diversity data as part of the AIA award submissions. Um, and this is nuanced because this is mm. not for a criteria, but we believe there is a connection between more diverse teams and better architecture, better work, work that is relevant to the community, work that is um, empathetic, sensitive, um, but also creates better design. And there's many studies, especially um, those recently in the Harvard Business Review about how more diverse teams, so in other words, teams that think differently, but also come from different backgrounds, actually create um, more, more creative solutions, right? Um, so it, it's, it's the whole reason why people have partners, you know, because right. you can't yourself. You need a balance of a position, um, positions. 
uh, and and viewpoints and and thoughts and all that other stuff. Um, so also advocating for a more accessible path to higher education. I talked about that. Engaging children with K through 12 programs, um, telling our stories, and this is something similar to the work that you do, but to highlight that there is a range in which you can practice architecture. Yeah. It's not just one path. You can have many paths. You can create your own path. Yeah. You can take a divergent path. Come back. What that that it's not just one type of architecture or architecture that can be one out. One of my there. favorite topics. Mine too. And ensuring that um, AIA publications reflect equity, diversity, and inclusion. So this is one where, you know, it's important for us to know that if there's a visual um, where people all look the same, you know, you're not necessarily being diverse. It's more about raising the question of, um, you know, how, how can I make sure our media range has the full range of communities represented um, and not just same old, same old. And it, it's like the hashtag all male panel, right? Yeah. If you've got a panel of six or seven um, architects and they all look the same and they're all of the same gender, you know, are you really doing a good job at reaching out um, for a diverse aspect? But, but diversity is nuanced. I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. Um, so Dr. Shirley Jackson, who was the facilitator that we used for the commission, I had this great graphic called the um, the uh, diversity iceberg, and I made one for the AIA, which I can share with you. You can put on the site. Yeah, I love but that. Diversity, when we look, when we look at someone, and and we have implicit bias, and we make judgments because that's part of human nature. This is like the, it's our survival instincts kind of kicking in. Um, what we perceive as diversity, in other words, what's the color of my hair, the color of my skin, the type of clothes that I wear, that's really kind of the 10% that we see, and it's like the top of the iceberg, yeah. right? But we all know that an iceberg is much deeper below the water. So below the water would be things such as religion, uh, education, background, practice type, um, sexual orientation, uh, disability that we cannot see, right? All of these other things that frankly make us diverse and and create the whole picture of who we are that you can't tell by judging a person by their visual appearance. And, and you and I are on video chat right now, so you can see my, my hands going up and down. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, it was really interesting when we had commission discussions about you could have that panel of seven men, right? And you could have more diversity in that panel than you realize. Yeah. And I'm judging it by the fact that they're all one gender. Yeah. Right. So, so it's it's a more nuanced conversation. But I, I'm not I'm not letting them off the hook. I think gender is an issue yeah. because we. Are but that's I think that's very very important to acknowledge that 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 uh, an all male panel may be much more diverse than it appears they are, you know, from their knowledge, from their expertise, from their backgrounds. You have no idea until you get into who they are and you look beyond the, below the surface in that iceberg. Um, and that's something I, I think very often that is, you know, sort of skipped over, you know, yeah. that, that it's just black or white, you know, and that's it. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not a male female thing it's not um you know the the color it's it's interesting you know having having kids today i i specifically have very nuanced conversations about the language we use it, it's it's understanding that 
um, people are more than what we judge them by visu visually. And part of that is not always trying to find your similarities. Like, you know, Mark, what do you and I have in common? Um, you know, that, and that's typically what you ask someone, you meet right. them, like, yeah. where did you go to school? Oh, you and I both went to school in New York, da, 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 all that, or, or you know, Anne-Marie went to right. RPI. RPI right? yeah. That's a connection. Um, many times it's our differences that that we can start to talk about and learn about each other rather than our similarities. Yeah. So that that that's been a sea change for me over the last year, and I think it it has reframed the way in which I engage people, even socially, of um, being aware of the leading questions that I'm asking, um, and also recognizing that. Um, it's more fun to find the unique qualities in people rather than what we have in common. Yeah, yeah. But um, so so anyway, I, I you you and I can talk for for a long time. But th those were the recommendations. So what happens now? Right. So what happens next? Yeah. So um, I, along with Rosa Shang, uh, were asked by the current president Tom Veneer to chair a new board committee called the Equity and Future of Architecture Committee. And um, this is a committee that we're tasked with charting these 11 recommendations, as well as other equity, diversity, and inclusion items. Uh, and we're working, and we're direct, directly responsible to the AIA Board of Directors to give progress on this. Um, so we're taking them one by one and sort of diving into what can we do now and what do we need a little more time to get rolling. Uh, for example, the position paper we need to sort of, we need to get a group together and to write a good RFP and and to develop that knowledge. Whereas, um, you know, telling our stories, that's one where we can start hit ground running and beta testing right now. So um, Rosa and I are working diligently with that, along with some amazing, amazing people on the committee that are with me. Um, so, you know, I am all about getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this done. I've put too much into this to see it um, sort of be put on a shelf as a as a as a book and not an action. Yeah. So and that's, that's why what's I, happening. That's, and that's why I ask because I mean it's so you see the momentum, you see that snowball getting bigger, you see the discussions happening, um, and you you know you see this panel, you know this, the uh, committee put together. You want to make sure that that momentum keeps growing and that that conversations like this happen more often throughout the world. Um, I think it's really important because if you just if you just do those recommendations and you give it to them, then they could say, oh, we had this committee and we had these recommendations and here are the check boxes that we did and aren't we good? Aren't we diverse now? Yeah. Uh, you wanna make sure that that doesn't happen and that's not going to, ha going to happen with you and Rosa, you know, <laughs> on, on in charge over there and your and the rest of your crew. So, yeah, so uh, let's let's schedule a date to talk 3 years from now and I can report back on uh, We will do program. that. We will or sooner. Yeah. Or sooner. No, I'm sure it'll be sooner. And yeah. and uh, so is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap up? Well, I I I want to say that um and this is really a plug to you, which is um as I've been thinking about things over the last two years, um, you've been a great resource to me, and also um, I was part of your community for a while. Yeah, you were a uh, member of the Entree Architect Academy, yeah. And it was fabulous. It was fabulous for the, the topics that we talked about, um, but also to understand that uh, I wasn't alone in grappling with, with some of the issues that I was dealing with. 
Um, and it helped me further clarify what my intentions were, but also to understand that I didn't have to get it perfect. In other words, the next step, it was okay for it to be a step forward, not the landing place. And, and right. I, I mean, in the fact that, um, I'm at a fabulous job now. I love what I do. I love where I work. And um, I had to let go of sort of the, the perfectness to find peace. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're at peace. And I'm glad you found your place. And I know there's a lot more ahead of you. Um, and I, you know, I, want, I want you to come back because I want to talk about that. You, you had talked about the, the, the difficult decision to leave your, your past employer, um, this, the decisions to take these big, huge steps uh, without knowing what's on the other side of that big step. Uh, I want to talk about that because I know there are a lot of people who are listening to us right now who are in that position right now, um, having to make a big decision that is sort of a, a scary decision and they're not sure what's going to happen in the future if they take that decision. Uh, so, and that's a, that's a whole episode. So uh, I'd love to have you come back and talk about that. That would uh, be great. Share, share that part of your personal story. Um, but I want to commend you. I want to commend you for the amazing progress that you've made, both personally uh, and professionally. Uh, you and I have talked many, many times off the air in private and talked about the things that you're going through. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of oh, you for you. for w what you've done, what you're doing, uh, and and the 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 effects that you're having on our profession uh, every day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll we'll catch up in Orlando. Yeah, I'm. I'll be there. We're uh, <laughs> we're having a meetup, so I hope to see you at the meetup on Thursday. Um, and uh, and everybody else who's interested in showing up, we're gonna. I haven't the time of this recording we haven't finalized the location yet so i can't announce it um but uh we will be having a meetup thursday night and it's sort of a casual hangout so just you know whenever you're done with all of the other things that you're supposed to be doing that's where you're going to land well i i went to your one last year in philadelphia it was a lot of fun so yeah. so thank you for that and um my other uh aia convention memory uh, with you is i think i shared my breakfast with you uh one morning <laughs> when we were Yep. Because I can't remember who the speaker was. It might have been Bill Clinton. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, and yep. you and I had gotten there really, really early. And then we realized that we had to wait almost 45 minutes for it to start. And I, I think I had an extra apple and I shared. Yep. But anyway. Yep. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good to have friends in high places. It's good to have friends. <laughs> <laughs> so be, before we wrap up, Emily, I want to ask you that one question that I've been asking everybody here at Entree Architect Podcast. And uh, that question is, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Yeah, I, this is this is important, and I'm going to answer in two ways because I've um, because I've been talking so much about equity and diversity. Um, one way that you can build a better business is to ask yourself a question of, am I really reaching sort of the whole of the community or just a piece of it? Um, and and that's not to say that um, every architect needs to do everything, but uh, in terms of the value and the relevancy of what we do, I think there's a large untapped market of future clients out there that small firms have a direct connection to. And, and we all know that marketing comes from, 
you know, who we see socially, um, whether it's dropping off your kids or your other community groups, or, or even being sort of in the public eye and the cold, the random cold call that you get or internet marketing, or right? It's all about connections. And, and I would challenge this group to say, are you, are you thinking about your connections in a larger, um, more equitable, diverse way? Um, and are there ones that you are potentially not tapping that you could? Um, so don't don't be scared of expanding. Expanding is good, and that can serve your business and in some really amazing ways. Um, and the second thing that I think um, small small firms can do to build a better business is to really listen to their the people that they work with and that they employ. Um, and that gets at the point of um, valuing our differences and um, understanding that you know the, someone might do something differently not to irk you per se, <laughs> but because they have a different viewpoint um, and, and they approach things in different ways. And, and to have those conversations that you might feel um, you couldn't have, um, but it actually builds better understanding amongst, amongst your employees and your community and um, it strengthens the relationship. Um, so, so don't don't be so careful. Um, it's okay to have a conversation about about things that you don't understand um, and that you want to know more about, and ultimately that that builds a stronger stronger community at large. So, I love I love asking that question because I get so many different answers, and uh, that's a very thought provoking one. So, thank you very much for that, and thank you for being here at Entree Architect Podcast and sharing your knowledge here and for all the uh, the hard work you're doing. My pleasure. So much for the opportunity. If you liked what we shared today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 165. Share this link with someone you think might benefit from what we shared today. And don't forget to visit the website to gain access to our digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and learn how to build a powerful profit plan that will work. For your small firm. Visit entrearchitect.com slash free course. Hundreds of architects have taken this course. It's a great place to start building a better business and it's free. It's our gift to you at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. I appreciate you for being here. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.